As you hear on WDEL News, the Delaware Superior Court has found that early voting and permanent absentee voting is indeed unconstitutional. It violates the state constitution. There's uh, been a lot of yelling and screaming from the political class, especially Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester running for Senate, and uh, and saying that, oh my gosh, uh, this decision is more evidence of Republican extremists who will stop at nothing to attack our access to the ballot box. Jane Brady, former Superior Court judge, former State Attorney General, former chair of the Republican Party as well, is in studio. It's her group that brought this case to the court. She's in studio right now. And I want you to know, I have also invited Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester to be on the program. Because as I read her statement, it seems to me that she's angry at the individual who made this decision, which is the judge in this case. Jane, thanks for being on. And her anger is very misplaced. This is wrong. Um, I have to say that our courts have uh, done an excellent job of uh, making the right choices about what the law is without regard to the consequences. When you look at what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did right before the 22 election, when they ruled that a statute could change the Constitution in Pennsylvania, I was embarrassed for every judge in the country. Um, our court calls it right. Gary Trainer, Justice of the Supreme Court, in the mail-in ballot and uh, same-day registration case that I, we brought, was very clear about what Delaware's history is, what Delaware's Constitution says, and that the language and words in the Constitution matter. They mean what they say. And I think that's critical. I think instead of uh, impugning the judge in this case as a Republican extremist, which when you read the statement from Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester, who wants to be your U.S. senator, is is certain. I mean, there, there's no doubt whatsoever that she's referring to the, to the judge. Yeah. She's maligning him. Um, I, I believe so. And uh, and with I'm thinking the more mature response, uh, one that Delawareans really deserve, would be to say, okay, here is a well-respected judge, is respected regardless of political party, who has indeed determined that these policies violate the Constitution, that then she would encourage the state legislature to begin the process to file amendments to right. the Constitution. If, if she believes that that's what we should do. The judge was careful in his decision to say that this is not a comment or a commentary on the propriety or impropriety, advisability or right or wrong uh, about the policy. This is purely a decision about the law. And the law is that the Constitution prevails over a statute. This is not the first time the General Assembly has violated its um, obligation to comply with the Constitution in enacting statutes. And um, the uh, court made the right choice. Um, I, I commend our judiciary uh, for being honest and, and true to the law. I'm going to share some uh, highlights from the decision. Thank you for sending it to me. I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, plaintiff's claim against Delaware's permanent vote, absentee voting uh, statute is not barred by Delaware Code. And they go on to say plaintiff's claim is not based on a statute, but instead based on the current constitution of the state of Delaware. Plaintiff's action challenges the constitutionality of Delaware's permanent absentee voting statute. It does not seek relief under it. Therefore, uh, it's inapplicable. 
Right. And, and as such, the plaintiff's constitutional claim against Delaware's permanent absentee voting sta- uh, statute is not barred by a three-year statute of limitations set forth in the code. Explain what that really means, please. Okay. So the law regarding permanent absentee was passed some time ago. And I don't know if it was somebody didn't notice or somebody didn't have the money for a lawyer or no lawyer would take the case. But when I realized what was going on, I said, I'm going to file. Um, and so because the statute had been on the books for a while, they claimed that it was prohibited from being brought now because a three-year statute of limitations applied to an action under a statute. That means you had to bring an action within three years to challenge it. The court said, no, that is if you're seeking a remedy under a statute, which is what I had argued, not if you're alleging uh, you're challenging the, in, the uh, enforcement of a constitutional provision. And so they said, no, there's no limit on when you can challenge a statute that's in violation of the Constitution. Right. Unless, of course, you're seeking a remedy and you weren't. Well, seeking a remedy under a statute. Right. So if I was trying to enforce a statute that had been passed more than three years ago or claim, you know, and and they would say no. But I wasn't. I was trying to enforce the language of the Constitution. Uh, Plaintiffs not only state a claim upon which relief can be granted, they demonstrate by clear and convincing evidence that the (laughs) challenged statutes violate the Delaware Constitution. Exactly. So so right there. Exactly. I mean, that's it. So it's a matter of uh, state constitutional law, not a matter of feelings. Uh, And I will tell you right off, um, I'm cranky about the decision. Okay. I'm not angry with you. No, of course not. Uh, I just did I, my job. I'm, I'm, no, and you did it well. You did it right. But I, I liked going to dinner on Sunday before uh, Election Day on Tuesday, uh-huh. having uh, voting and then having dinner with Lori. Oh, oh. well, and, you can still do that in primaries and special elections. Yeah. You just can't do it for the general. I want to do it for all of them. So, oh, too bad. So, <laughs> unless... The, they change the Constitution. Exactly. Now... Um, Permanent absentee voting. This one is troubling. And as Democrats uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi had said years ago, mail-in voting is that which is most susceptible to fraud. They don't like to say it now, mm-hmm. but they said it because it's true. So how does this protect us Delawareans? Well, permanent absentee status, let me explain what that okay. is. Um, if you have, under our Constitution... If you have certain reasons you can't be at the election uh, polling location on Election Day, you can vote by an absentee ballot. That is a written ballot that you fill out and send in. You can drop it off or you can mail it in to the election county election office. The reasons are if you're sick, you're caring for someone who's sick, you're disabled, you um, are out of town for work, you're on va- even on vacation – Um, or you're with the military or something, you can vote absentee. So permanent absentee was a law that was passed that said if you follow, if you qualify under some of these, meaning sick, out of state for work, um, disabled, you can ask to be put on a permanent absentee list. And after that, every successive election indefinitely, we'll just send you a ballot without you asking. Now, I got the list of people who asked for permanent absentee status. It was a very small list for many years. But when they mailed the applications for absentee ballots to every registered voter in 2021, Mm -hmm. uh, for the uh, election in 22, rather, um, there were um, 
a huge increase, and we now had Good the Lord. list that I had is two 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 inches tall. It's three. About, it's like it's <laughs> about three inch. It's two or three inches tall. Look about at that. Forty names per page. And oh it's, man! It's about twenty nine thousand names. Twenty nine thousand. So, we ran this. I paid money to run this against the post office address uh-huh. label, address checker. Uh huh. About twelve to fifteen percent of this list is inaccurate, which is about true for the regular voter rolls. Okay, people get on this list, they die, they move, whatever, and they weren't supposed to be able to vote. But we don't, the Department of Elections didn't know that and was going to send every one of these a ballot. And they did, in fact, send ballots to people who were ineligible to vote. We had people returning them, calling our office and telling us they got ballots for people that don't live there anymore. And they got ballots. It wasn't an application. They could actually vote it if they wanted to. And the Department of Elections would know no difference as to whether it was the person whose name was on it or the person who filled it out. And so it's very important, I think, that we listen to the words in the Constitution, which talk about at such election, if you are eligible, you may vote absentee. And the court said it's one election. It's not that much. People argued. I went back and looked at the legislative history. When they passed this law, they argued that it's too much trouble, it's too much of an imposition for people to have to fill out the application each time. Hmm. Well, it takes more work to fill out the ballot than it does the application. So why they couldn't fill out an application, I don't know. But it doesn't make anybody unable to vote. It simply means that to vote absentee, you have to request a ballot. That's all it means, this ruling. So in Atlanta, uh, they discovered... Uh, multiple ballots, lots of multiple ballots. We've seen uh, we've seen this uh, illegal ballot harvesting and multiple ballots happening in New Jersey elections, in Connecticut a- as well. We have any indication that that sort of thing uh, has happened uh, in Delaware at such uh, a level that might influence the outcome of an election? I haven't seen evidence that would indicate that uh, uh, the results would be changed. Um, there have been indications of impropriety, but not um, you know, where somebody admitted they filled out the ballot for the, their wife and themselves mm-hmm. or somebody whose parent isn't really functioning well. Yeah. Voted from the um, nursing home, mm-hmm. especially during COVID when they weren't allowed in. Right. And they were very upset about that. So there were and I actually had a woman who wrote personally and copied me to one of the nursing homes and said, if my, I'm going to look and if my mom votes. I'm going to make a criminal complaint against the nursing home because I know she's not competent to make a choice. And? And she did not vote that one. So, you know, absentee voting is one thing. Massive mail-in voting is something else completely. We have laws that, uh, with some exceptions, that you're not allowed to go in with somebody else and help them vote. Let's say that, you know, you're working for a campaign or a party or mm-hmm. some nonprofit organization that's involved in some way. You're not allowed to go in the booth. Right. Now, you can go in the booth uh, for some reasons, like let's say your mom or dad is infirmed and they want to uh, they want you to help them. Right. With mail-in balloting, anybody could come in, get everybody in the apartment building together, whatever, and uh, say, come on in. We're going to talk about uh, voting. Right. Bring your ballots. And they can say, by the way, so-and-so is going to do such and such. You want free this, free that? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Vote for this person. Right. They can do that. They can. Not legally, but. No, I don't think there's any illegal. If a person has requested a ballot and gotten it, and then someone talks to them about how they think they should vote, 
we all base our votes upon what other people tell us and other people's, you know, I have in, people, in many ways. Yeah. I have to tell you, because I'm pretty much involved in the political process. I get calls from a lot of people the week before the election. Who should, who should I vote, I vote for? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm like, well, so-and-so says this. So-and-so, well, that's, you know. that's fair enough. But then, but but in this case, you have people sitting down at the table or whatever doing a presentation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, people don't know. And they're going like, oh, okay, I'll come. Yeah. Okay, I'll come. And yeah. they just, you know. So- and by the way, in Delaware, you can, one person can collect all of them and turn them in because we have no law against ballot harvesting in Delaware. That's frightening. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. All right, let's get to the phone. 302-529-1017. Hi, it's Rick. Who's this on the phone? This is James in Glasgow. Yes, James. You're on with Jane Brady. Hi, Jim. For, how you doing, Jane? Haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, good to talk to you. It's Delaware. Yeah, Delaware. It's Delaware. <laughs> One degree of separation. Yeah, made it, dated, or related. Go ahead, Jim. Okay. The point is, I don't know how many times I have heard, especially during the administration of Donald Trump, he needs to uphold the Constitution. Okay. When it comes to upholding the Constitution, as citizens of Delaware, we are obligated to two constitutions, the federal and the state constitution. And I have read the statutes in the state constitution or the phrases or whatever how you want to put it, and it clearly says there's a specific day to vote on, and as for absentee ballots, they must be requested in person or, in write, or by writing. Therefore, I say to everyone who says we need to uphold the Constitution, let's uphold the Constitution. Thank you, Jim. All right. Appreciate the call. 302-529-1017. So upholding the Constitution also means an amendment, and you can go through the process and, and amend the Constitution. What do you say to people who are who might call you a, a right-wing extremist <laughs> because uh, you brought this case before uh, the state superior court? And uh, and the justice determined that, indeed, when it comes to the state constitution, the way they had put in place uh, early voting and uh, mail-in balloting uh, is unconstitutional. What do people, what do you say, to, like Lisa Blunt Rochester, okay. what would you so, say to her if she calls you a, right. a Republican extremist? Well, I think she'll have to call all the preceding general assemblies and uh, people, Republican and Democrat, who created the Constitution that is in effect in Delaware today. I didn't do anything. I didn't write anything new. This is language that's been in the Constitution for decades um, and repeatedly enacted by people who were in charge of amendments in the General Assembly, Republican and Democrat. So I didn't say what the rules are going to be at all. People who wrote the Constitution and and continued over time to... Uh, keep this language in the Constitution are the ones who wrote the language. I simply said, I don't think this statute complies. And the court said, you're right. The statute does not comply. It's unconstitutional. So there's no no person now, the judge or me, who is taking a position on the policy. We're simply saying, and I'm a a fan of the law. My life has been dedicated to the law, that the law should be followed. Um, Again, I'm going to bring up Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester, because it was her statement saying this decision is a reminder of Republican extremism. The decision. Only one person made this decision, and that was this well-respected judge on the Superior Court, regardless of party. What do you say to uh, someone like Lisa Blunt Rochester, who's been invited to this program, who says that uh, I think she more than implies, I think she calls out this judge 
because she's using the word decision, as an extremist who's stopping ballot box access. What would you like to say to her about that statement about the judge? Well, I would like to say that, Lisa, I want your vote to count 100%, and this judge is making sure that your vote will have 100% impact when you cast it. This judge has been honorable, and he's true to the law, and she's wrong to disparage him. If you don't like the law, you change the law. If you don't like the policy, you change the policy. This judge did not decide the policy. He decided the law. Do you believe that she should follow up her words with action and uh, compel the state house to begin uh, impeachment proceeding against uh, this judge? Absolutely not. This judge does not deserve that. He's a man of good honor and integrity. To the phone, 302-529-1017. Hi, it's Rick. Who's this on the air? Hi, Rick. Hey, it's uh, Ray from Townsend. Yes, sir. Hi, Ray. Hey, I have, a, I have a question. Why has nobody brought up, I mean, our presidential election, our federal elections are are the biggest elections that this country ever does. Why has nobody even brought up having it as a national holiday where people are off work, you can vote in person, show your ID, you know, eliminate a lot of this mail-in ballot stuff? You know, I why, why wouldn't it be a national holiday where everybody's off? All right. Uh, great question, Jane. So, well, actually, there are a lot of people who get off on Election Day. Most of them are teachers or union members uh, and Democrat, traditional Democrat supporters, <laughs> not an, entirely. Um, but um, I, I would be in favor of such a, a decision that would have to be made at Congress in Congress because it's a federal issue. If you want to have the federal elections held on a federal holiday. Um, and, uh, actually I think most people, uh, that work for the state and otherwise do have a holiday. Um, I don't know if it would take care of everything, but, uh, it would make it easier for people to, uh, not have an excuse and uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. get them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe not. All right. 302-529-1017 in studio, uh, former superior court judge, mm-hmm. uh, former state attorney general, Jane Brady. And uh, probably the last call uh, here on the show. Hi, it's Rick. Who's this on the air? This is John. Yeah, John, what's on your mind? You're on with Jane. I'm just calling to thank Ms. Brady for the job that she's doing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. uh, I believe in what I'm doing, so it it helps to hear people support it. Yeah, we need to have people like you out there watching out for our Constitution. I listen to the show uh, every day, and uh, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Take care, John. Thanks. Uh, 302-529-1017. I will say, regardless of law, and I will not say irregardless, it's it's still not a word. I know. I know. (laughs) um, Yeah, I'm very concerned about uh, unlimited mail-in balloting. Which you don't have in Delaware. We've yeah we've we won we, that one. <laughs> we won that one. I I know because we've seen uh, even Democrats fighting Democrats over that. It's like you cheated, you lied, you, cheated, you know. Um, but I I do personally like the idea of uh, early voting. And well, you only had one general election you could early vote. Last general right. election was the first and only time that you've been able to do it. All well, the others have been primaries or something else. Well, what is your well-researched legal opinion about early voting? My well-researched legal opinion is consistent with what the judge ruled, is, which is what I argued okay. to him. What is your personal, Const- what's your personal opinion, then, about uh, early voting? Like, early voting? Yeah. I take, take no position on it. Mm-hmm. If you want to have early voting, it has. So the reason it failed was because it has all the same administrative 
rules as election day. And so essentially you were having 10 election days extra. And the court, the General Assembly says, I mean, the Constitution says that the election has to be held on the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. It only applies to the general. I don't think it's an imposition. Um, And if you want to make it more convenient, the General Assembly can do that. But they have to amend the Constitution. Jane Brady, is this the second or third time you have defeated uh, Democrats here in Delaware (laughs) who are trying to uh, violate the uh, state constitution? Well, it's the second case, fourth issue that I've brought. Okay. What were all the four issues? Um, Mail-in ballots. Yeah. Same-day registration. Mm -hmm. um, Early voting and permanent absentee. Right. And I'm looking at a few more things. So we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> I think integrity is important and following the law is important. I, you know, I'm, I'm laughing uh, because, you know, as, as a guy who, you know, didn't go to law school, but I know how to read, I see so many cases and I'm, I'm thinking, why do they think they can get away with this? And, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean, they, whether it's on the federal level, we've seen, uh, you know, with the, uh, our administration trying to violate people's rights and the constitutional rights, goes to court, they lose. And now here in the state of Delaware as well, uh, go to court, they lose. I don't understand why they keep trying to do this. So I'm not sure, but I will say that um, I was shocked uh, when the state, uh, argued that there, in the first case I brought, uh, arguing, I was arguing that we had authority to bring the action. So standing is what gives you the reason you're allowed to bring the case. You have some harm that you're suffered or suffering yeah. or could suffer. And they actually argued that there are some laws that just there's nobody who has standing to challenge. When I'm challenging the constitutional provisions, the court eventually shut it down because I had Michael Higgin as a plaintiff in that case, and they upheld that he had standing to challenge the mail-in voting and same-day registration. In this case, we had Gerald Hawker, a state senator who wants to run again as the plaintiff, as also a candidate uh, for office, as having a vested interest in the law being done properly. But to have them argue that, well, sometimes you just have to go forward with unconstitutional laws was shocking to me. I was disappointed. 